0: Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicNPR.com. This is Elena Del and my guest is Deborah Coons Garcia, who is director of Symphony of the Soil. Today we will discuss her film. At Lily Films, her Mill Valley, California production company, Deborah has made fiction, educational, and documentary films. For the last 15 years, she has focused primarily on films about soil, agriculture, and the food system. Her film, The Future of Food, premiered at Film Forum in New York City. It continues to play widely around the world in theaters and at film, food, and farming festivals and conferences, and at thousands of community-organized screenings. She has personally taken her film to innovative venues, such as the Google Headquarters, the Burning Man Arts Festival in the desert of Nevada, and shown it to inmates in the gardening program at San Quentin Prison. Symphony of the Soil premiered at the Smithsonian in the spring of 2012 and has been playing at film festivals, conferences, theaters, and community screenings around the world since then. In October 2013, the New York Times gave the film a very positive Critics' Choice Review. Deborah was recently awarded the John DeGraff Environmental Filmmaking Award at the Wild and Scenic Film Festival for her body of films on soil, agriculture, and sustainability. Deborah, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Elena. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is a topic, perhaps for the average person, that is uncommon, I'm going to say, are there a lot of fellow filmmakers who are involved in focusing on the soil? Is this, is this a common occurrence?
1: There are actually, no. It's, it's really uh, unique to have a film about soil because film is about movement and light. And, of course, soil seems to be dark and inert. Of course, it's not. There's lots and lots going on. But, um, I chose to make a film about it because people don't know about it or think about it. People are soil blind and I know it, (coughs) excuse me, it's such an important, it's so important and our, our lives are really dependent on the soil. So I wanted to, um, remind people of that because we know that, but we just don't see that
0: reflected in the world around us. What drew your attention as a filmmaker to soil? What sparked this interest?
1: Well, I had made the film, The Future of Food, as you said in your intro, and that that came out almost 10 years ago, but it was very popular. At that point, no one was really talking about the food system. There were some people talking about, you know, the perfect peach and this lovely cut of meat, but they weren't talking about the system. And I thought that we should be talking about that. So I made that film and it was very well received. And as, as you said, I, I went around the world and showed it and spoke and, and really helped, um, really jumpstart what's called now the food movement, which is a lot of people concerned about our food and, and what we're eating and where does it come from and what's in it and is it good for us? All those things. So I decided to go more deeply into a sort of a related topic. I think a lot of people assume that, uh, you know, when they think about soil, they think about agriculture immediately. Although there's actually a lot going on in soil and soil provides a lot of, uh, a lot for us, um, aside from agriculture. So I ended up, uh, deciding to make the film and met with a lot of soil scientists as well as as uh, farmers and people in the agricultural field and um yeah it was um it was very unusual and people when people you know of course people who garden and people who farm or, or are involved with food they're they're interested in the soil but um most people Think a film about soil is going to be kind of boring, and I've seen it. I've seen it at screenings. People will bring their spouse or their friend. You can see their friend is kind of like, oh god, and then then they see the film and they're really excited about soil (laughs) and they want to go home and you know plant a garden or do cover crops or something. So it's it is unusual, but I thought I I thought that it needed to be addressed, and so I, I took a chance, and I'm I'm happy with the film. People. People like it. So I ended up making a moving film about something that actually doesn't move at all, or doesn't seem to move.
0: It, not only did you make a film, but it, you spent four years working on the project. You filmed in, on four continents. You've spoken with dozens of experts, and not just experts on soil, but you also talked about acti- with activists activists. You talked with farmers. You talked with restaurant owners and chefs. What do you hope at the end of all this, because the journey isn't over, maybe the film is complete, but I'm sure that there's a lot more to be said, right? Yeah. Well,
1: I think that um, there are a few things important about soil that have to do with our future on this planet. And, and if we keep farming the way we're farming, we'll be out of topsoil in 30 years here in the States, because, um, often the way that we, people farm is, is very, uh, destructive to the soil. And the practices that farmers used to, used to do, like, um, planting cover crops, <clears throat> which means when you weren't planting your main cash crop, you would be planting something on that field and often farmers would plant a bean crop, something that fixed nitrogen. So when they, they turn those cover crops back into the soil, they plow them back into the soil and then those, um, those cover crops release nutrients to the soil and release nitrogen to the soil and replenish it. They feed the soil. And so um that's you know it's something that in these other practices another one would be crop rotation so you don't grow the same crop over and over year after year and and therefore get a bunch of pests who know that you know this is this great place that we can inhabit because we're going to be getting our same food year after year so let let's go there so i think that you know, some of the practices that farmers used to do, which they've gotten away from, we need to go back to those promises, those practices, and we need to treat the soil more kindly, and we need to actually become aware of our relationship to the soil and not be blind to it and blindly just taking, taking, taking from the soil and not giving back, because at that point the soil degrades and it can actually stop. Producing, um, there have been lots of uh, lots of land removed from production because of salinization, which is there are too many salts. The salts rise up into the soil uh, when land is irrigated, and in certain parts of the world, here in California, that's a that's a problem. And also, um, you know, when you leave uh, the ground bare wind and rain can erode the soil and i think because of climate change uh, or climate chaos uh there you know often just in iowa in the last few years when we were filming um there were there were floods in iowa you know hundred year flood in iowa and then if you know if just a few years later it's a hundred year drought in iowa and, and of course, you know Iowa, Iowa grows a lot of corn and, and soy. That's just one example of a place that's challenged because of the changes that are happening in the climate. So, so these things do affect us, and and we are dependent on the soil for food and other things. And also in terms of uh, global warming, if we, uh, we, you can choose to farm in a certain in a way which will sequester carbon, which will pull that carbon di- dioxide out of the air, and put it into the soil and leave it there. Uh, So that can also ameliorate uh, uh, global warming. So there are a lot of reasons why people should be concerned with soil, and there's a lot of reasons why people should support farmers who treat their soil in a conscious way and try to... um, uh, you know, try, try to create soil that will be good for uh, generations rather than taking, taking, taking from the soil so that it degrades and is basically, um, un, unusable in, in the near future.
0: Would you give us a short description of the process that you were just referring to a minute ago? where you were talking about the carbon dioxide feeding the soil and you were talking about the loss of nutrients of the topsoil and how all of these things are interrelated and and the source of nutrients for the plants. Can you just give us sort of a a two-minute description so that our listeners follow what we're discussing here?
1: Yeah, so basically, um, soil is alive and there are lots of microorganisms in the soil. A lot of people don't know that, but there are. And because of technology now, because of electron microscopes, scientists can see what's going on in the soil. So we're aware that there are billions of organisms, bacteria and viruses and fungi just in a teaspoon of soil. So soil is alive and those, those organisms need to be fed. And so the way and, and photosynthesis, which we all, which we all learned about in school and, you know, kind of forget even what that means because we learned it when we were like, you know, 10 years old. But photosynthesis is this sort of miraculous, um, miraculous thing that happens when sunlight, um, can, because of sunlight, um, the carbon dioxide that's in the air is taken in by plants, and because of sunlight, this process of photosynthesis uh, breaks brings in and, and and brings the carbon from that carbon dioxide and uses it to to build the plant material. so it, you're taking carbon dioxide and you're turning it into carbon a carbon based plant and when and we're, we are carbon based you know animals are carbon based we eat those plants so so that carbon goes into the plant goes into the roots of the plant is actually feeding those microorganisms and also feeding the animals that that eat the plant or or us if we eat the plant or eat the animals we're also feeding feeding on on something that ultimately started off because of this process of photosynthesis and then the other thing that people should understand which we've realized now is all these microorganisms in soil that I was talking about break down um substances in the soil and release nutrients. So so if a leaf falls in a forest these microorganisms feed off that leaf and then they ex- they 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 eat it and they break it down and then they they excrete out into the soil all the nutrients that were in that leaf. So everything that was bound in that leaf is now available in the soil to be uh to go into these microorganisms and to go into the plant so it's the recycling of nutrient they call it they call it uh nutrient cycling you you take something that was locked up in, you know in like in a potato that's left in a field and it breaks down and releases the nutrients that were there so they can be recycled back into life into other plants into uh the animals, into microorganisms, and ultimately into us. So this recycling is what happens in soil. That's one of the major things that it does. It breaks down and allows us the reuse of nutrients, which we all need in order to um, build our bodies and keep our bodies healthy, whether we're humans or animals or, or plant bodies. So um so it's kind of like this magical process. And that that's the thing that ended up fascinating me about soil is that it's a process, you know, there are all these processes and cycling going on in it. And, and, and when that's happening, when the soil is alive and that's happening, everything's happening just right. If the soil is dead, you know, because it's been killed by chemicals or it's been killed or there, it, because of a drought or it's been, there's been so much water in it that those microorganisms can't live, that process doesn't happen and that's dead soil. And then that soil, um, won't grow anything. So it's, I think that, um, the, in the process of agriculture, it seems to me that the more we can mimic nature, you know, the better, uh, because we can get nature to do the workforce. We can get nature to break down those, those, uh, you know, those organisms and release the nutrients. So if, if we have to do all this ourselves, you know, we just, how would we even do it? So it's, um, yeah, it's something we, we need to be aware of. And I think that, um, America is really blessed with good soil, but we, we haven't really taken as good a care of it as we should have because, because we've had such good soil, we haven't had to. But now, um, we're having a lot of problems with our soil with erosion and all kinds of things, including the dead zone. That's a function of agriculture and synthetic nitrogen, the dead zone in the Gulf. So it's, um, it's, it's sort of complex, but it's also something that makes sense to us because we, you know, we kind of, if we actually observe nature, we can see that these things are happening. But most people are so busy, you know, we're so busy with our lives. And also it, you know, we have technology now. So most of us perceive the world through technology. So I, um, I really thought it was interesting that I used highly technological means to get people to connect with nature. <laughs>
0: And that brings me to a question about the message of the film, Deborah, because if I understood the message correctly, part of what you were saying is that it's important or maybe even essential that we go back to basics when it comes to the soil and use of the soil and, as you said a moment ago, letting nature do some of the work for us. You were referring in part... To the use of chemicals that has become widespread. Is, is that right? Yes. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm a great proponent of organic agriculture or sustainable agriculture or agroecological. There's all kinds of names for it. But I think that, um, you know, we've, agriculture has been around for 10,000 years and for the past 50 or 60 years, We've really moved into a chemical regime, where um, and where instead of using nature, for example, nitrogen, instead of returning nitrogen to the soil uh, by by using plants that fix nitrogen and put that back in the soil, we use synthetic nitrogen. And instead of uh, you know planting crops in a way that will discourage pests or planting a, a different crop each. You know, uh, uh, not planting the same crop every year, which tends to create sort of a, a, you know, which tends to create uh, a a situation where there are, there can be more pests, not, not using crop rotation, that sort of thing. So, so we've, we've entered this realm of chemical regime. And then because of GMOs, genetically modified organisms, um, which are, which are, uh, which are plants. Seeds that have been genetically engineered in order to not die when they're sprayed with a chemical. And that's what my film, The Future of Food, was about. And most of them are Roundup ready. There's a, uh, a, um herbicide called Roundup, which kills everything green. So the GMO plants are genetically engineered. They've actually taken its, its recombinant DNA technology, which was invented in the mid-70s here in San Francisco Bay Area, where I live where they take the DNA of a, a plant and they they uh, they pull it apart and then they recombine it and taking DNA from another species and putting it in. So that's why it's called recomb- recombinant DNA technology. They recombine it with DNA from another species. So they use this, this technology uh, to create seeds uh, and plants that could be sprayed with Roundup and those plants won't die. So you have Roundup ready corn. You spray that with Roundup, with uh, Roundup. The corn won't die, but because it's been genetically engineered to withstand the spraying of this poison, it will live. Everything else around it will die. So we have uh, plants now, you know, massive, you know, millions and millions of acres of corn and soy and cotton, which are designed to be sprayed with a chemical. You know, they are supposed, that's the point. The point is they're supposed to be sprayed with a chemical. And there are a lot of other issues with that regime that I deal with in the future of food that are problematic to my mind, including patenting and all that sort of thing. So what's happened now, because nature is what it is and and nature develops resistance, is a lot of the weeds that have been sprayed with Roundup since the mid-90s when this technology came out those are becoming resistant to Roundup because that's what happens. You have one plant, you know, that, that, that it, it's just, that's what happens in nature. People can become resistant to these things and they have to find something new. The something new that now they've, they've found are more and more toxic chemicals like 2,4-D, which was a part of Agent Orange because Roundup, which is supposedly uh, one of the le- least toxic agricultural chemicals, although there are some issues about that too. Doesn't work anymore. They want to get uh, approved uh, this, to be able to spray more and more toxic chemicals to have 2, 4-D resistant uh, corn, and that's up in front of the Obama administration trying to get approval now. So then we'll have millions, mil- millions of acres sprayed with chemicals that are very toxic that are known to cause uh problems. So, you know, it this is about as far away from, you know, farming in harmony with nature as you could possibly get. It's an entirely chemical regime. It's very, very hard on the soil. Um so it's, you know, and part of it has to do with the whole system of of, you know, what gets subsidized and all that sort of thing. It's just sort of an ongoing battle, you know. They're in Washington to see um, who gets what, you know, who gets to do what. And, of course, the um, agricultural corporations like Monsanto um, and uh, Syngenta, you know, they're very, very powerful. And they have bought up the seed supply, so they're kind of calling the shots uh, right now, although there's uh, a lot of people aware that this may not be the path that we want to continue to go down for too much longer so that's um you know that's a, that's chemical agriculture, and that regime is is really not uh, so good for the soil. You can see in the film and you could just see if people go out to to fields if you compare a field that's been farmed organically or sustainably or you know trying to treat treat it better and not use a lot of chemicals or only use chemicals when they're really necessary rather than constantly. I mean, there are millions of pounds of chemicals uh, have been used because of the GMO regime that weren't being used before. Pesticide use is is way, way up. Far, far more are being used, although the proponents of it say less are being used. The fact is far more are being used because that's the purpose of this technology. So. Uh, you can see the soil that's been farmed in a, a, a way that doesn't use a lot of chemicals and doesn't use overuse synthetic uh, nitrogen. It's very hard. Um, the water, when you irrigate it, the water, or when it rains, especially hard rain, the water just runs right off. It actually doesn't go into the soil so that the plants really aren't getting the water they need because they can't get through that hard, you know, hard uh, kind of dead crust. Uh, whereas good soil the water goes into the soil the water stays in the soil so that you need less less water less irrigation so there's a lot of um yeah i think that that and also uh a lot of these and so say synthetic fertilizer can also be hard on the soil when it's overused oh I, some people think it's hard on the soil even when it's used at all but um overuse of of uh that of uh, synthetic nitrogen has led to the dead zone and nitrates in drinking water and also that soil tends to get um sort of hard you know hard and not able to really um you know kind of take in water and you know so yeah it's uh yeah, it's uh, and the other thing about the GMO regime is a lot of the corn and, you know, mainly corn and soy and cotton, but mainly corn and soy is a lot of that goes to feeding uh animals and cars. Forty percent of the corn that's grown in the United States goes to cars. So we're using this amazing soil in the middle of this country, some of the best soil on the planet, to feed cars, which, you know, I mean, I don't think that's a very good idea. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're blessed with this amazing soil, and we're using it to feed our cars, so it's kind of a a not. I think it's kind of misplaced priorities. Although, of course, I do like my car, but uh, we want want our cars. We just need to think of another way to do it, other than destroying our amazing soil to do so.
0: That's always the challenge, isn't it? What What do we give up? Yeah. Tell us about this dead zone. You've mentioned it a couple of times. And it, it seems to be symptomatic of what's not working. Would you tell us a little bit about what that is?
1: Well dead zones happen they happen all over the world. Whenever um, when people use too much synthetic nitrogen and so that it runs off into the waterways, um, it actually creates an overgrowth of algae which then overbloom and kind of suck the oxygen out of that water and so there's no oxygen left for the other creatures and it ends up dying so they call it the, they call them dead zones and there's a dead zone in you know in the Gulf of Mexico and there's uh, seasonal it's seasonal it happens you know when all the big corn and soy growers in the midwest irrigate and the water and it rains and all that stuff gets washed off into the Mississippi River and down into the gulf so there's dead zone it's bigger the times of years when that stuff is running off and there's dead zones all over the world. You know, there's dead zones, you know, there's dead zones wherever there's agriculture taking place with, um, too much synthetic nitrogen. And what, you know, I, I have, you know, there's lots of issues about synthetic nitrogen and there are there better ways to, to, to do it than having to, to, because it's very energy intensive, but, um, There's a woman in the film, um, Laurie Drinkwater, who's at Cornell, and one of the things that she says in the film is they've done studies, and if farmers plant cover crops, which I was talking about earlier, if they plant cover cover crops that fix nitrogen, which would be peas and beans, you know, the legumes, if they plant those cover crops and then they turn them in, you know, turn them back in, so you're replenishing that nitrogen in that soil – um, it can cut down the, nitri- the um, nitrogen runoff by 70%, you know, just by using this this technique, which farmers have used for millennium of of cover crops, which create, you know, which really return the health to your soil. So there's a, you know, there's a part of our government is the nat- natural, natural Resources Conservation Service, the NRCS, which is part of the Department of Agriculture, and one of the things they're doing now in their centers around the country are encouraging farmers to plant cover crops, and they've got some test farms with farmers who who show other farmers, this is what happens to my soil when I plant cover crops, um, because... As not only does it make the soil better and richer and you can, I, you know, I've seen it. I think you could probably, they could probably go on their website, find it somewhere. We don't, we, I don't think we have a link on our website to it, but you can really see the difference after just a few years. So that, that will stop the dead zone, dead zones because you don't, you're using just the right amount of, of synthetic nitrogen rather than just pouring it on so that it runs off. Because synthetic nitrogen traditionally has been pretty cheap. It's been one of the cheapest things that the farmers can do to try to increase yield. The more nitrogen they put on, they might get a little increase in yield uh, not that much, but you know, they've just, the, the, the sort of practice has become to put more and more on because they might get a little bit more in yield. But I think farmers are rethinking that. And this is another way when technology can help us because Now there are ways with satellites to, to re, and also, you know, just science to figure out when you have enough nitrogen in there so you don't have to use too much so it doesn't run off and end up where it's not supposed to be, which is in the ocean.
0: What percent of the agriculture in the U.S. today is reliant on these chemicals in this this methodology that you 've described, and what percent would you say is still following healthy practices going back to the roots of agriculture well it 's hard to say I think
1: you know I, I should have this number, but i don 't i'm embarrassed to say, but I think the number of uh, if you think of acreage the the num the amount of acreage that 's being farmed organically is is pretty small i think it 's like a few percent maybe under five percent. So that would be certified organic, which is, you know, certified I mean you have to can't use any chemicals. You can't you know, it's a certain thing. Then there are lots of farmers who, you know, who who aren't uh, who actually grow what we would call pretty much organically, but they're not certified They're not certified by the government. If you're you're calling something organic in this country, you have to meet certain standards. There's national organic standards that you have to meet. Um, But there are a lot of farmers who are growing uh, sustainably who aren't certified organic, and they're trying to, you know, not use lots of chemicals, only use chemicals when they need to. I've talked to farmers who aren't certified organic because there's a certain fungus that is, you know, that that uh, it, it exists where they farm. And so once a year they have to do something to that, that soil to get rid of that fungus so they can't be certified organic. But other than that, they are organic. So there are a lot of farmers really trying to move away from overuse of chemicals. Uh, because they they know you know a lot of farmers they go on their land, it, the land feels really different than when they grew up, or you know they see there are no animals on their land, there are no birds, and they they want to go back to to being able to go out in the field and and have it feel the same way it felt when they were a kid, where there was a lots of life on the soil, so a lot of farmers are trying to uh figure out how they can reclaim that healthier way of doing things and and they are doing it, and there's lots of you know, farmers helping farmers, I showed Symphony of the Soil in Iowa, and there's a group there called Practical Farmers of Iowa, who are, who farm more organically, sustainably, not, you know, necessarily organic, but organic farmers, sustainable, agroecological, whatever, trying to do things in a more sustainable way, and so I showed the film, and then there was a woman, kind of an older woman farmer, who stood up, and she said, she said, "I, I don't know how I would do cover crops with my cash crop i just don't know how i could could do that what i would do because it doesn't seem to me i could make that work with so this one of these practical farmers stood up and he said i'm i'm one of the practical farmers byway and he actually told her what she could do he said you could do this at this time and then you do this and this and this and it was great i mean i didn't even understand what they were talking about but it was it was great because they were giving each other he was giving her advice and she was figuring out exactly what she could plant at what time so then she could come back and plant her cash crop and I, I felt great because I was bringing these farmers together and they were sharing information. So there is more and more awareness. I mean, there is the other side, which is the, you know, chemical regime, but, but, you know, a lot of farmers are, are really thinking about starting to think about um, their, you know, what they're doing to their soil and what the effects are because they were really led to uh, a very, You know, a chemical, chemically intensive regime is that this is the way to, this is the way to go. Everybody thought this is the way to go before we realized the consequences of that. And now, and now, you know, people are thinking about the consequences of this road that they've been led down for the past 50, 60 years. And a lot of them want to change it. And so I'm, I'm all for that. So I'm hoping they can help get some, you know, get some, uh, a little uh, help to move in that direction from my work because I'm, I'm not a farmer. I'm, you know, I'm a filmmaker and I'm an eater, but I am all for trying to um have, there's like 10,000 agricultural chemicals that are approved for use in the United States. You know, huge amounts of chemicals being used like four pounds per person per year. So I think, I think we should move away from that and, and learn and farmers uh can kind of relearn uh, what they need to do to work with nature instead of sort of have a war on the soil.
0: In making the movie, Deborah, you traveled outside the United States and you met with farmers and experts and activists in a number of places. Did you find that the situation that you've described in the United States is mimicked elsewhere what what were your findings outside the United States? Well, yeah, I did.
1: I, I, I filmed composting on four continents. <laughs> so I, we traveled to Norway and and the UK and uh, Egypt and India and and Hawaii, which is the United States, but feels like a different country in some ways. And yeah, I think that that you know places like India and Egypt, you know they they are. Uh, the one thing that those countries have is they they use a lot more labor. You know, if you're going to farm, the thing about you know, I mean, is actually kind of amazing, is that in the United States, you know, just a few people can can farm a thousand acres using these technologies and and using you know giant combines. But in these other countries, they don't have. They tend not to have this uh, very expensive combines and chemical regime. So they have a lot more labor, you know. That's what it takes if you're going to grow without chemicals, is you tend to need more labor because you need people to weed and you need people to, you know. So, but they, you know, they, a lot of them are moving away from this. And a lot of people, you know, like in Africa where, um there's just a lot of problems and a lot of struggle with their their soil because a lot of the soil in Africa is very old soil, so a lot of the nutrients are are gone. You know, they've leached out, so they need to sort of jumpstart their soil. So there's a lot of uh, push from certain parties, including the Gates Foundation, for these places to adopt uh, genetic engineering and a more industrial commercial agriculture, and a lot of the people and institutions and scientists and farmers in these countries uh, don't want to do that. They want uh they want smaller farms, more local farms. They want uh local farms feeding local people instead of for example uh turning all that acreage over to biofuels, you know, selling the biofuels and then using that money to buy food. So instead of you know, they 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 want what they call food sovereignty. What's called now food sovereignty. They want to be able to grow their own food and they don't want a chemical regime where they grow a cash crop, sell the crop and then have to find food because they haven't grown it because their land is for the cash crop. So yeah, so they're, they're rethinking it. And I think part of it is the internet and a lot of these. I mean, I filmed in England and lots of places where. You know, they have people studying there from these countries and even here up, up in Davis. There are people visiting all the time from these countries. So these scientists and and farmers and, you know, activists We call them activists, I mean, they're people that that are in this world that are, you know, that have a point of view and want other people to understand it they, you know, they're all in connection with each other. So it's a very different world than it was even 20 years ago, because they can get that information. And they're very tech savvy. So you know, it's a, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I film places where people get water from wells. I mean, they don't have, you know, they don't have a running water, right? Or, and places where they don't have electricity. And you know, they, they grow their own food. I mean, I think they want electricity. They would like to have, you know, water, but they, so, you know, that's, that's the range is this, you know, very expensive, highly technological systems that have expensive equipment and expensive chemicals and, you know, uh fertilizer and all these things. And then there's another system where people have, you know, they, they don't have, what they need, but they don't want to jump right to this highly industrial because it's expensive and then they have debt and then they have to worry about that. And so it becomes this whole debt treadmill that they get on. So it's, um, yeah, there are a lot of changes happening in this country, but they're not adopting this, um, this big regime like that certain corporations would like them to because they, they see they see where they're going that way which is if they adopt that they see debt and they see not having control over their own food supply and they don't want that so it's a, it's an interesting time you know you have this huge range of of uh sort of development but the 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 countries that that seem to us to be underdeveloped um you know they some of them really do know how to grow their food and they really you know there's a whole lots of other issues involved, including, you know, China and, and you know, Saudi Arabia going into these countries and buying up really good farmland because they don't have, they need the farmland. So there's lots of issues. But I would say that, you know, there's a lot more awareness of the wide variety of agricultural techniques available and that a lot of these countries that are not as developed as we are, are, are rethinking um, which ones they adopt.
0: One of the things that many of us can relate to readily, you know, for many of us, this conversation about soil is a bit foreign. It shouldn't be, perhaps, but we're so far removed from the source of our produce and our farms and and the people who feed us and the system that feeds us. But one of the things that I think most of us, is not all of us, are aware of or familiar with to some degree is the idea of organic foods. Yeah. What are we talking about when we say organic farms and organic food? Because it doesn't seem to be a universal agreement on that either. What can you tell us about that? Well,
1: in the United States, um, well, you can say, oh, someone farms organically. You know, I mean, you just can say that. But in the United States, as I was saying earlier, if you call something organic, if you put that on the on a label organic or you're selling you're selling something in a store like selling bananas or oranges and you say organic uh, there are certain things there there are organic standards in the United States so legally uh, you can't have used um, synthetic most synthetic chemicals unless they're approved you know under that system you can't use synthetic fertilizer. Uh, you can't use sewage sludge on it. You can't have it be irradiated. Uh, you can't use genetically engineered seeds. So all those things you can't do. Uh, you can't have those, no chemicals on that, on that, that, uh, produce. So that, that's what it means here in this country. In other countries, they have different standards, but generally in the developed countries, that's what it means. You can't use chemicals or synthetic fertilizer. Or, you know, sewage sludge and all these other things. And so, um, there have been lots and lots of, of studies. And I mean, some of them are controversial, but basically you just common sense, you know, if something hasn't been sprayed with a chemical, then you're not going to be eating that chemical, you know, and I just, I, I think that you know, all these health problems we have in this country for, for as wealthy a country as we have, you know, we certainly have a lot of people who aren't as healthy as they could be. And we have a lot of people who, you know, need to be on medication every day because of their, their health. And, you know, I, I do think that it's what we eat and it's not only, you know, people not eating healthy food, like eating junk food or eating too much candy or that sort of thing. But, you know, I really think that, The chemicals that, that are put on these, these crops, you know, have an effect on our health. And there's, and a lot of these chemicals are endocrine disruptors. You know, they, they disrupt the endocrine system, which is obviously a really important system. So that's a, another issue that we should be thinking about. So I think organic basically means you're, you're growing more in, in sync with nature. And, um, I think that uh, it it is the fastest-growing part of the food industry. It's going to grow, I think, 14% this next year. It's absolutely booming. It's why a company like Whole Foods is doing so well. People really seek out organic, especially mothers. You know, they want organic. uh, if If they can't afford to buy everything organic, they want to buy organic milk, you know, at least, which I think is is probably a good thing, so um, and you know farmers' markets, that's something that's booming, you know ten there are many, many more farmers' markets all over the place than there were like twelve ten or twelve years ago. Uh, every community wants a farmer's market for all kinds of reasons because they can find out where the food is grown, and also it's a great place for people to get together and see other people on a Saturday morning. So the organic thing is, you know, it's kind of a friendly, you know, it's sort of people-friendly agriculture in a lot of ways. And, you know, there's the thing they have all over the place. We have it here in California. It's called CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, or in Europe they call it a box scheme, where you get a box every week from a farm, usually organic, and that you can either get what you want or they they give you what's in season and it's delivered and right from the farm. You know who grew it and, you know, you eat that, prepare things for that. So you get end up getting some vegetables you might not have bought at the market, see if you like them or not. So there's all kinds of ways that people are uh, trying to figure out how to uh, do things in a way that supports their community. For example, this DSA thing I was telling you, it, you know, it, it keeps the money in the community, you know, you're, you're paying someone who lives like I, the people I get a, uh, box from are, are 50 miles from me. So that's, that's kind of, that's close for me for the, you know, that's pretty close. So that, that money stays in my community. You know, they get that money rather than me giving it to, uh, you know, a big, uh, giant store that sends it off, you know, to someplace else, in some other state to headquarters. And so I, I like that. It's a, this kind of a smaller loop and people you know more and more people are wanting to know where their food comes from you know where is their where's their milk come from where you know who grew this you know who grew this orange or this tomato and can i trust that it's a, a safe thing to eat
0: did you discover any nutritional difference between organic and non-organic foods any difference in the flavor what did the chefs tell you for example
1: well, the chefs do think there's a difference.
0: Um, you know, there, like, there have been
1: various studies, uh, about this and, you know, you kind of have to look at, you know, you know, like a lot of these studies now, you have to look and see who's funding the study, but it does seem that there are more. One of the guys in the film, uh, John Reginald is at Washington state and he's done uh, research on strawberries and there do, do seem to be more, um, more phytonutrients, more nutrients in, organically grown strawberries than there are in in chemically grown strawberries so there does seem to be that i mean there's other studies that say there aren't but there are studies that say there are and i think a lot of that depends on the health of the soil you know if your soil is alive and you're you're feeding the soil and you're putting those nutrients back into the soil then those nutrients can come back into that strawberry or that apple if you're not you know if you're just Basically, instead of creating healthy soil that fights pests, you know, where those plants can fight pests and create a healthy environment, instead you're just spraying with all kinds of chemicals um, and the soil is dead, then it's, to my mind, it's just, it, it, it can't be as healthy as, as soil that's filled with nutrients because you've been putting compost on, you've been putting cover crops, and you've been, you know, creating that healthier environment. So what the plants take up are you know, are basically these, these vitamins and nutrients and minerals rather than uh, chemicals.
0: What would you say was the most interesting thing that you discovered about soil in the process of making this film? Well,
1: I think that uh, one of the things, I guess I didn't really realize how mysterious soil is. You know, I've, 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 uh, spent time and actually become friends with some of the top soil scientists in this country. And, you know, there's a lot they don't know. You know, they're really exploring soil and seeing what goes on in it. And it's just like this complete realm that we we haven't been able to explore until we've had the technology to be able to see it with electron micro- microscopes and things like that. So it seems to me the the thing, I didn't realize how complex soil was i didn 't realize that there are billions of organisms in just a teaspoon, and that most of those we don 't even know what they do and why they 're there, it's like this whole ecosystem there 's a world down there and have all these various bacteria and fungi and I guess the other thing, which is this again these you know critters in the soil, the fungi the mycorrhizal fungi, which we see the mushrooms are sort of the fruiting body of it, but underneath the soil are just this network of mycelium that do all kinds of things including taking nutrients from rocks and allowing those nutrients to go into the plant it's it's really amazing and the biggest uh organism in the United States is actually a a fungi a mushroom up in Washington it's huge like a mile thick it's like a mile it's it's huge so i uh I guess that's it. How complex it is, and how alive it is, and or the different range of, of 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 organisms and creatures that that live in the soil and on the soil. I just kind of saw it as soil. I didn't really realize all this was going on.
0: What was the journey uh, like as you were? working on making the film obviously there were a lot of things that you discovered such as this mystery of the soil that you were just telling us about but obviously you've met a lot of highly intelligent interesting people in all corners of the globe what would you say were the unexpected things that resulted from the whole film making process and and post-release of the film, because now you've had a little bit of time to think through what's happened and and gauge people's reactions. What can you share with us about that? Well, I guess,
1: um, let's see. I think that for me, I originally saw soil as it, you know, soil and food, you know, like soil is something you grow food in. That's what you do. And then as I started, and so when I first started, uh you know, shooting the film, I was shooting mainly farmers and having them talk about their soil. And then as I started really talking to soil scientists, and one of the top soil scientists that's in the film, Kate Scow, who was one of my advisors, at one early in our, you know, we, we've become friends now, but she said, you know, I don't really think of soil as an agricultural medium. And, you know, I thought about that afterwards, after we'd met, and I, I I really realized that I did think of it as that, that what can we get out of it? You know, what's in it for us? And I think the big change I went through is to move away from thinking of soil as a agricultural medium, that there are all kinds of soil on this planet. There's desert soil and wetland soil and frozen soil and, you know, all kinds of soil. And it's it's. It's fascinating, you know, and they're and they're different. They have different characteristics, and uh, they they can be um, be born, you know, created in different ways. And so I moved from I moved away from seeing soil as primarily agricultural, and looked at all the other things that it did for us as a as a species, you know, including. You know, air, you know, including to allow, you know, allowing carbon dioxide to be taken from the air and and oxygen being returned to the air. I mean, the oxygen in the air, they kind of purify the air. So, you know, plants which are in soil. So it's this whole system. So that that my journey was to move away from focusing on farming to focusing on soil.
0: What can everyday people those of us who are listening, those of us who have watched the film, what can we do to play a role in this getting back to basics, making sure or or doing something toward the protection of the soil and the preservation of the soil and ensuring that we have a long, healthy future for our world? What can everyday garden variety people, no pun intended, to to help in this process to become more informed? What would you say? Well, they
1: could they could watch this film. It's called Symphony of the Soil, and they could go on our website, symphonyofthesoil.com, and they can, um, you know, of course, they can order the film from the, from the website, which I would love as a filmmaker, but also they can get some more information about soil, and, li- and they can get links to other websites and see short clips, which we call, you know, uh, grace notes about soil, but I think, um, there's a few things people can do. One thing is, uh, be conscious of where the food they eat comes from and try to be supportive of people who grow things in a way that, uh, allow the soil to have its integrity, to have its health. And, you know, that would be organic or sustainable, even more local is good. So, so that is, is one thing is, is, be aware of, of how your food is grown, where it's grown, and support people that grow food in a way that you feel is, is good, is appropriate. If people have, um, gardens, then they could use compost, which is a good thing, and they can make their own compost. There's lots of composting, uh, programs all over the country that educate people how to do it. Basically, basically you take your green waste and basically put it in a pile and it's not as easy as just letting it sit there but you kind of have to know what you're doing and that and then once that turns into compost in x number of months uh, you can bring it back and and you can put it um in your on your soil so, uh, then the other thing to do would be to, if you have a garden, is to, you can plant cover crops, like I was saying earlier. I mean, it's kind of funny. Some of the people have seen, some people have seen the film, and then they, um, they immediately want to go plant cover crops in their garden. So, that, those are things I think are important. And, and if they do have a garden, think twice about using chemicals. You don't really need them. There's actually more agricultural chemicals used by people with gardens. Uh, home gardeners and there are uh the agricultural industry so we don't really need that uh there are other ways to garden and there's lots of local gardening programs and you know master gardener groups all over the country and garden clubs and i think a lot of those if if you go to them for advice or even your local gardening store if they have it or if, especially if it's a know, kind of a more organic one to just say, what can I use instead of using, how can I do this so I don't have to use Roundup? I mean, even using mulch, if you want to use Roundup to kill weeds, if you use mulch, you know, you just put something over that bare soil, then weeds can't grow. So I think that uh, the more people can move towards a, a natural system, a system that it mimics nature, the better. And, uh, and so the more they can move towards that way or support people who are, uh, farming and gardening in that way, the better. And also, I think just to appreciate that it's a miracle that we have soil and that soil, there aren't that, as we say in the film, you know, there, there are, it's rare to find a planet that has soil. You know, we had to have soil here before, before we could be here without soil, we wouldn't be here. So we should appreciate it you know it's it's an, it's an amazing thing this uh very few inches of of topsoil under our feet that basically keep this planet going so i think you know appreciation of the soil and and um just to to get a, a, a sense uh of, of that we're kind of living on a miracle and because of that to treat it well not to uh make war on it but to see that we have a relationship with it and we we should be moving towards a healthy relationship with it
0: why symphony of the soil is there a relationship with music what what is the reason for the title of the film
1: well after i started shooting uh i shot a, a, for a while and i i thought you know i began to see as so how did i want to because, you know, soil, people go, oh, God, I want to watch a film on the soil. But I thought that was a really intriguing title. I would go see a film called Symphony of the Soil. And and beyond that, I feel that soil is like a symphony. You know, it's complex, but yet it has its own integrity. There's lots of things going on in the soil, just like movements in a, in a symphony. And, it, it, you know, it works as a whole, and it's kind of this amazing thing. And there's also... As a filmmaker, I wanted to have a lot of wonderful music in the film to really embrace music as an element of the film instead of having this little electronic soundtrack on the side like a lot of documentaries have. So the music is very symphonic, and the images are beautiful. I mean, soil and, you know, it's just pretty amazing to, to really put those things up on a big screen and look at it and look at how plants grow and, the you know, the microscopic stuff we have and the stuff we have from satellites So the beauty of the images and also the beauty of the music work together to make the film a a really good film going experience. So you're not being lectured. You're, you're really able to sit back and and see it as a film, you know, and just experience it as this amazing, um, sort of get a sense of, of what an amazing thing soil is and the whole soil, what they call soil community. You know, the microorganisms, the insects, the critters like, like voles, uh, the, the hawks, buffalo, us, all of it. We're part of the soil community. So that's kind of the same way a symphony is. There's lots of different people that come together to create a symphony. It's not just one thing. And, um, and also this whole thing of agriculture, you know, agriculture is one movement in the symphony of the soil. It's not the only thing. And so, that aspect of it too that it's multi you know multifaceted soil is 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 there's lots of different ways to look at it so that yeah so that worked out really well the music is beautiful and people are intrigued by it you know it by the title it's good you know you want people to be intrigued by your film and go see it so that that it kind of struck me and my editor Vivian Hillgrove is wonderful uh, music with music, and Todd Bucklehide, the composer, is an amazing composer, so I thought well i'll just let them you know i decide you get to do a symphony, Todd, you were doing a symphony here, so that worked out well. I was very happy with it, and the music is just quite quite wonderful
0: and the imagery, of course, is very striking. One of the challenges when you have indie films and documentaries that are outside of the main big Hollywood production assembly line, I'm going to call it, for lack of a better description, is sometimes getting access, being able to see the films. Where, I know that you've presented in a lot of communities. uh, That's how I first heard about it. Where can our listeners find out more about the film? Is there somewhere that they can download a copy or? mail order a copy um, what can you tell us about that well they could go to our
1: website symphonyofthesoil.com and they can actually order a dvd through the website we'll send it to them um we we don't have it uh, we don't have it downloadable yet but we'll be doing that pretty soon uh we'll be getting that together and we have had our theatrical we've we've done we've spent the past year you know going to theaters and but there's still Those lined up and the other thing that people like to do with this film is, is have um, what we call a community screening. They'll pay a small fee and they can have a screening of the film and they can bring members of their community together and they all see the film together and then they can, you know, it's kind of a really nice evening. And then if they as a community want to do something like getting a composting program going or letting people know about a community gardens program that's a good way to do that. And we've had lots and lots of those, you know, that's quite a popular way or, or like garden clubs will, will show it to the club for their annual dinner or something like that. You know, so lots, lots of these, these groups and organizations uh, all over are using it as a, as a way to bring their communities together or as a way for their organization to sort of celebrate soil and, and, you know, have everyone on the same page. So, so that's, the, that's the main thing is uh, our website, com, and they can get information about, you know, getting the film or if they want to do a community screening or have it for their organization, they can find out about that too. Hopefully it will be on TV. We're negotiating that now. Probably will be on TV uh, later on this year. I mean, later on next year, <laughs> just later this year, probably 2014 we're we um we're figuring out about getting it on PBS would probably be the place for it.
0: And the website is symphonyofthesoil.com? Yes, symphonyofthesoil.com. Thank you, Deborah, for joining us from Mill Valley, California. Thank you, Elena. I really enjoyed our talk today. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Deborah Coons-Garcia, who is director of Symphony of the Soil,